Welcome to Exceptional Ideas for Ohio. This is the CEC Council for Exceptional Children Ohio podcast. I am our host, Victor Torres, Intervention Specialist at Aurora High School in Aurora, Ohio. Today we welcome Barb Gentile Green, currently a Director of Student Services and Accessibility in Central Ohio, has worked with students with exceptionalities for the past 38 years. Positions as Occupational Therapist, Intervention Specialist, Curriculum Director, and Ohio State Support Team Educational Consultant and Coach have provided many opportunities to live her passion, empowering students to become the best versions of themselves. Barb, welcome and how are you? I'm doing great, Victor. Thank you. Awesome. So I am super excited that you are able to join us today. Let's start off by you telling me a little bit about yourself, your your overall experience and in servicing students. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I have had a long history in special education. I actually started in 1983. Um, a friend asked me to cover her maternity leave as an occupational therapist, and I hadn't left, haven't left the educational system yet. So, um, just ha- had a many great experiences in a variety of positions that each one helped me learn something new about how we can support our learners with disabilities. That's awesome. Starting off as an OT. That's great. So we brought you on today because UDL is a hot topic. And it's it's I I would go the length of saying it's not just a hot topic in Ohio, but it's a hot topic nationally. I you know, I can tell you just from a personal and professional perspective, our school district right now is embarking on a district-wide uh UDL journey that ties right into our strategic vision and our design specs. So Let's start by talking about your experience and your passion for UDL and, quite frankly, your advocacy for its implementation. Sure. Well, it's so exciting to hear that you're doing a district-wide implementation. That makes me very happy. So, you know, the reason that I am so passionate about it, and I'll just describe a situation where, um, you know, I was trying to support a team with a student, with student for with disabilities. And, you know, I was observing him in different settings throughout the day. And it was really interesting to me how some classrooms, the impact of his disability was so evident. It just really um, made it difficult for him to engage and learn. But yet we'd go into another classroom and he was like a totally different kiddo. And I didn't know the words for it then because UDL was not a hot topic then. But I realized that what was different was the environment and the ways that the teacher brought in interesting and engaging and um, exciting tasks for the students to do. And, you know, he was just able to engage and learn. So fast forward then to 2013 when I started at State Support Team and we had our first um, couple day training on UDL and I thought back on that situation I just explained to you. And I thought, that's it. The teacher was implementing UDL, whether she knew it or not, (laughs) that led to his success. So just, yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. And so I have just found that it opens doors for all learners and it really allows our learners with disabilities to engage and have access to instruction and learning. um, And they become learners for life. 
You know, I want to piggyback a little bit off of what you just said, access for all learners. And I think that's the important part. You know, when I think about UDL, it's it for me, it's it's not just access, but it's continuing to provide equitable access on top of teaching up or continuing to provide that rigor and inclusive settings. So I, I haven't had any formal training in UDL, but, you know, I, I, I'll get into this a little bit later in the in the podcast, but, you know, as part of our, of our district, going through this, uh, embarking on this UDL journey and, and digging into the resources and, you know, allowing it, you know, correlating or implementing it alongside our design specs. I'm learning more and more every day. Actually, we had an upcoming PD day where we have one of our teachers in district pre, uh, presenting on UDL. So a little excited to dig into it. So with that said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hop into the next question. What's the goal or the purpose of UDL? And I know there are some overlays, but can you talk to us a little bit about how it's different from differentiation? Sure. So UDL is really, the goal of UDL is creating expert learners. That is the language in UDL, expert learners. And really those in the UDL framework are learners that are very purposeful and motivated. They are resourceful and knowledgeable and strategic and goal-directed. And so while it absolutely helps learners in an educational setting and to learn the standards, it is a little bit more. It's a little bit more than that. It's about how can students understand themselves as learners, what it is that they need to learn and to be um, able to express their learning in a way that makes sense to them. And so while it helps them learn the standards in school, it also becomes something that they can take into life after school mm -hmm. so that they are understanding themselves as learners and have some of those skills and strategies to, to persist and persevere and set goals and, and meet them. So that's really the overarching goal of UDL. And then, you know, it, I think of UDL as being very proactive. So it's really mm -hmm. helping us think very um, proactively in our planning and design process and valuing and understanding that there is variability yep. in all of us, yep. right? 100%. And, yep. Yeah. And, and the context may change it. You know, you may be super um, competent and strong in the math class. Um, where I might need a little more support in math class, and yet we go into, you know, a ELA class, and, you know, one of us needs a little more help than the other. And so that those different environments really change it. So it's really thinking about um, how we can break down any barriers that might be in mm -hmm. that environment that, you know, minimizing barriers, that's a big um, part of UDL. And, and you're absolutely right about differentiation. There is there is an overlay and, and there's no cut and dry, but I guess the way that differentiation often happens, and I know it's not necessarily supposed to be this way, but it's kind of after the fact. Yeah, It's reactive when a student maybe didn't get it the first time. So then, you know, maybe we try to teach it a different way. You know, it's kind of a reactive approach. Um, but I think that even with UDL, and I think especially for our learners with disabilities, UDL is going to, you know, kind of level the playing field, 
bring as many opportunities for learning, but there are still going to be some students who need additional differentiation. And so that's how I see the overlay is that if UDL hasn't, you know, possibly minimized all the barriers that a, a learner might be experiencing, we might have to do a little more through differentiation. Does that make sense? 100%. So, and I just kind of want to brief everyone on what I think I'm getting, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You mentioned minimizing barriers. And I think in the process of doing that, we are maximizing learning as a result or as a byproduct of that. So when you talked a little bit about support, can you chime in on, is it the flexibility of the curriculum? Um, you talked a little bit about the planning phase. What can we do as educators to make sure that we're providing that tiered support in the inclusive setting through the UDO to make sure that our students with disabilities specifically are being set up for success? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing is we have to be open and vulnerable to look at our teaching and our teaching environment and our assessments with an open mind. I love say, that. <laughs> now, because I love that you use being, you know, you, you kind of mentioned vulnerability and that to me is being a reflective practitioner. Um, we, so our district just went through this entire training on resiliency a couple of days ago and one of the main overall overarching concepts is embracing our vulnerability. But I, again, I'll let you continue, but I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I, I think that that's, if we can become more vulnerable as educators and be more collaborative, we can take this education field so much farther and reach mm -hmm. so many more students. So, um, so I think, again, if we you know, UDL talks about that the barriers are within the environment, and mm -hmm. I will define environment here in a minute, not within the learner. And so to mm -hmm. me, that's another shift in thinking, especially about our students with disabilities, that often we have thought about, well, there's something within the student that is getting in the way. But UDL is really asking us to flip that thinking and say, are there some barriers within the environment that is making it difficult for the learner to engage, to learn, or to show what they know. And the environment is a broad term. So it's not just the physical environment, but it's also the affective environment. It's also the way that instruction is presented to the learner. It's the way the assessments are designed. So environment is a very broad concept. So again, if we go back to being reflective and looking first, at what we're teaching, how we're going to teach it, and how we are going to assess it and say, are there possibly any barriers that our learners might be experiencing before we ever start this unit? Yeah, I love the proactiveness and and, and looking at the anticipation of barriers within that, within that environment. With that said, there are three main principles or guidelines, depending on how you see it. Can you talk to me about those three main principles or guidelines uh, for UDL that drive that planning and, and instruction that you've been talking about? Absolutely. So, yes, the three um, principles of UDL are engagement, representation, and then action expression. Okay, so engagement is, of course, you know, how do we get our learners engaged and interested in the topic? But it's also how can we get our learners to um self-regulate and 
and and set some uh, you know really reflective moments and self assessment. Mm-hmm. Representation is, and I love this because the principal once said to me, "Why do they call it representation? It really means like presentation. How are we presenting the content?" And I liked that because he's exactly right. How yeah. are we teaching it? How are yeah. we teaching it? I like that. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. And then the third one is um, action and expression. So how do our learners show us what they know? And within that, and this is a part that I I love about the action expression is executive functions. And you, you know, many, many students, but especially our students with disabilities really um, have challenges in this area. So it's really being strategic about how we help them set goals and, you know, strategize around those goals and monitor how they're doing on those goals. So those are the three, um, the three principles of UDL. And then in the framework itself, there are what we call checkpoints. And what I see those as are like idea starters for us. Like how can we um, start to do something a little bit differently? And the checkpoints give us some ideas. I love it. You talked a little bit about engagement. I, I think it's safe to assume that not there's no one means of engagement that's going to be optimal for all learners. And with engagement, we are essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're, we're encouraging that individual choice, that autonomy, and that that learner that, that that learner chosen pathway. Does that make sense a little bit? It does. You've nailed it exactly. Awesome. Yes, I did a little bit of homework <laughs> coming <laughs> in, and, and it's it's. I'll tell you, it's part of my PGP, and and I, I'm really taking a deep dive into it, and you know, I'm, I'm picking up a lot myself. So. We, we touched a little bit about the planning. We touched a little bit about the instruction. Now, can you talk to me about how UDL can be used as an overall framework? Because you mentioned it's a framework. It's not a set of strategies. It's, it's, an, it's a framework. How can we use the UDL framework to meet the needs of all learners? Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think of the framework as a way of thinking, Okay, Mm. so it's really about how we shift our thinking and some of the questions that we ask ourselves. And so some of the questions we might ask is, you know, how clear have I made the learning goal or an outcome for this lesson? Does every student know what it is? Um, How have I intentionally thought about, you know, is there going to be something that's getting in the way? And when you're doing that thinking, and I and there's many questions that you can ask yourself, but when you're doing that thinking, you're really thinking about all possibilities of learners that might be in your room now, or if a new student enrolls tomorrow, you've thought about them too. So, mm. you know, you might have a student who has, um, a, a, you know, a need for movement, and you know that movement really can help a lot of learners. And so maybe you're going to put some movement into your lesson. You know that some learners might need a quiet space to work and other learners might need be able to to work with a conversation going on. And, and so maybe you're setting up your classroom to allow for two locations, a quiet center to work and a place where they can collaborate with a group of children. So I think the more you think through what... Um, all of us as humans need in different spaces, you begin to meet the needs of all learners because you've thought about all learners. 
simplistic, but not so much. Right. And, <laughs> and I think it goes, I, I know. And, and I think, like you said, it goes back to the planning, right. And anticipating the, what those barriers may be and planning for those barriers. Um, can you provide us with an example um, or kind of talk through us a little bit on how a gen ed teacher and an intervention specialist can begin that process here. Let me rephrase my question. I'm a new or veteran teacher and I want to begin the process of fully implementing UDL in my classroom. How do I start? Where do I start? Where do I go for resources? Can you talk me through a little bit about that, Barb? Sure. You know, I think definitely a resource is the CAST um, Center. They are the kind of creators of the UDL guidelines. Um, uh, UDL guidelines at CAST um, is a great place to look at the framework. But then I think a beginning place is really thinking about your goal for the lesson. Mm -hmm. How clear is it? How are you making it um, visual? For learners? How are you talking about it? How are you keeping it alive? Because UDL is really about clear goals and flexible means. So you want to make sure that that goal is really clear. Maybe you have it up on the um, you know whiteboard. Maybe you have mm -hmm. it on the top of the worksheet that students might be doing or the note-taking sheet. You know That goal is alive. You're talking about it all the time. You're keeping it in front of the learners. And then you're thinking of multiple means of teaching the, the content. So for example, if you are someone who is very accustomed to lecturing and that's how you, you know, have spent most of your career, your lecturer, maybe even by taking one step to insert something slightly different in that lecture, one more way of presenting that content. So maybe it's a brief break in the lecture and there's a video that learners can go to and and watch for a few minutes to get a little deeper understanding, or maybe it's an excerpt from a book that they might read. So now you have talked to them about it, you've given them an, a video to go look at, or you've given them something to read. And so I think to take these baby steps, first and always by starting with clear goals, but then just thinking of one additional way that I can present this information. And I think what you'll find is that it becomes easier and easier and easier. Each time you think about that, you'll find a new way to do it. Offering choice within those options is another great way to get started. So, and I love the word, I love that you use choice because essentially we're choosing, we're providing choices to fuel interest, right? In the economy of our learners. And I want to debunk something with you. It is not more work, correct or incorrect? It is different work. It is different work. It can is you, different can, work. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Again, it, it's all about how we think. And so I think if um, once you begin trying something a little differently, that gets like put in your toolkit and it's much easier to pull it out the next time. And so while when you very first start, it might feel overwhelming to think, I don't know how to over, you know, revamp this lesson, you don't have to revamp the lesson. Okay. This is why it doesn't have to be more work. It's different work. Try to put one or two new things in your lesson. Maybe you're going to do a choice board and the students are going to 
have three different options to look at, or maybe you want to start with your assessment and you're going to allow students to um, uh, dialogue with you instead of doing a paper pencil assessment as a way of assessing what they know and can do. So it's just trying some different things and keep adding those to future lessons. And pretty soon you won't be able to do it any other way. I like the way you started, you stated that it's different work and it begins in the planning stages. Barb, what is your favorite UDL resource? We're currently reading um, UDL Now by Katie Novak. What's your go-to? Okay. There's not one. <laughs> there are so <laughs> many. And so, you know, there are some authors that I, I that I really follow. So Katie Novak, she is, of course, um, you know, one of the leaders in, in UDL and she makes it so easy to understand. So she has a whole website with little videos of herself and different blogs, as well as the many books that she has written. So she is a, you know, great one to go to. So, you know, Katie makes it come alive. I also like Louie Lord Nelson. I don't know if you've heard of her, Victor. No, I have not. Okay. So she has a podcast called UDL in 15 minutes. And she interviews educators who are using the UDL framework. And so you get very real <laughs> in the yeah. field explanations of how um, these educators apply the framework to instruction. So that's, you can just Google UDL in 15 minutes, Louie Lord Nelson, and you'll find many, many resources. A new book just came out. I don't know if you were on the UDL chat the other night, but um, it's called Transform Your Teaching with UDL, and it's by Jennifer Pusateri, I think is how you say her name. Oh, um, okay. And she actually works in higher education, but she wrote this book about how you can just get started with six, I think she has six keys or six steps. And um, so that's another good one. And one that I like for um, a co-teaching situation is uh, Elizabeth Stein. And she has a book called Elevating Co-Teaching with UDL. And so she talks about that, you know, all the co-teaching structures, as well as how you can embed UDL into those co-teaching structures and practices. And then lastly, Allison Posey is one of my all-time favorites. She has a book called Engage the Brain and another one called Unlearning. And it's really how we have to unlearn some of our practices that may have been, you know, diehard practices. We have to unlearn those to relearn maybe a new way of doing things through UDL. So those are some of my favorites. Whenever any one of those people put a book out, I am like on it right now buying it. That's so. great. No, that's <laughs> great. That And that's good for our listeners too. I, I want to touch on just something you mentioned, UDL chat. Can you tell us a little bit about UDL chat? And I think Ron, is it Ron Rogers at the state level that's also involved with that from time to time? Yeah, yes. Ron Rogers at Ocali is who got me hooked onto UDL chat. And so he and I are both um, facilitators of that chat, along with a few other people, um, Tesha Fitzgerald and Mindy Johnson and and um, uh, Joni Degner. So it is um, twice a month on Wednesday evenings, the first and third Wednesday, and it's on Twitter. And we lay out four, four to five questions and they're all around UDL and folks just jump on. And if you can join live, that's wonderful. You, you know, you answer questions and you 
meet new people. I think actually, isn't that how we met Victor? I believe it is. I, <laughs> I believe so. it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the nice thing about it is, you know, they say Twitter UDL chat is 24 seven because you can go back and Ron Rogers always captures all of the, um, the whole chat and you can yep. see it on Wakelet and look at people's answers. And I have met so many people that way because you just begin to find like-minded folks, never seen them, you know, yep, just yep. through Twitter, but you learn, you, you know, you learn it. even in this fast 30 minute chat. I love that Ron does that. And I got to tell you, I mean, Twitter is incredible to just learn and build networks with people from all over the country and not just UDL, but just a, on a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. um, but Barb, I can't let you go without plugging in what you do for UDL and you have, a, I don't want to steal your thunder, but tell us a little bit about the episodes that you have. Okay. So, so are you talking about Ron Rogers and yep. uh, 10 minutes with Barb and Ron? That's it. So, yep. yeah. It's on the Ocali website and this happened because of COVID, really, um, Ron and I were just, you know, everything kind of came to a standstill. And Ron's like, you know what, we can't let this, you know, we've got to keep educating folks about UDL. You know, what do you think, Barbara? Are you willing to do it? And I'm like, sure, why not? And so it's kind of fun. Um, you can find all the episodes on Ocali under the UDL um, Center. We don't plan it like, you know, you, you and I did a lot of pre-planning on this podcast, but Ron and I just jump on and That's you awesome. know, what's on your mind That's and we great. talk about it for 10 minutes. We have guests. We have some great guests. We had the new cast executive director for our 50th episode and she used to work um, within the special education field. And so she has this really great perspective Lindsay Jones is her name. And so, yeah, it's just a, another way, a quick way to try to get some of the UDL love out there. No, that's great. And Barb, can you plug in your Twitter so that our listeners can get you a follow? Sure. So it is um, at B Gentilly, so G-E-N-T-I-L-L-E, -L -L -E, and then green, just like the color. So at B Gentilly Green. Awesome. Barb, a sincere and appreciative thank you from myself and all of CEC Ohio for joining me today. You know, I, I tell you, I think it's safe to say that I have personally benefited from today's conversation, and I know our listeners will as well. Um, as we discussed, UDL is not only important to break down barriers in educating children, but it also provides equitable access to all learners through flex flexibility built on learner strength and needs. You can find us on Instagram at CEC underscore Ohio, on Twitter at Ohio underscore CEC, and you can also find us on our website at CEC-Ohio.org. Barb, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I have come out of this podcast learning more about UDL, and I will talk to you soon through our UDL chat. Thank you so much for having me and for spreading the word of UDL. Thank you, Victor. You got it. Thank you and take care. <laughs> you too. 